Hi everyone, Steve Adubato, Lessons in Leadership, my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? Doing really great as always, Steve. How are you today? I'm great. Real quick, before we bring in Rushin from Seton Hall University, could we just thank our sponsors? I would love to thank our sponsors. Thank you. And first and foremost, I do want to thank Seton Hall University. That's not wrong, right? <laughs> our That's longtime cool. sponsor at the Bassino Leadership Institute as well. Prager Metis, Cheese, New Jersey, the New Jersey Sharing Network, uh, the North Ward Center, Fedway Associates, Veolia, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and our newest, which is DEVCO and the Helix, which stands for Health and Life Science Exchange, uh, happening in New Brunswick. We'll be talking a lot about innovation and that in our future series. Innovation and leadership. And speaking of innovation, we bring on, once again, Rushin Kensel, who is a professor of practice at the Seton Hall University, one of our higher ed partners. Rushin, good to see you again. Good to see you, Steve, and good to see you, Mary. Happy to be here again. You got, hey, Rushin, let's put this on the table. Rushin is the editor of this publication. We'll put a, in the post-production. Sylvester, our great post-production editor, will make that happen. In the lead is the publication. Rushin is the editor, Navigating AI. So I've got to ask you, about five or six months ago, you asked me to write about um, artificial intelligence and leadership. And I said, I am not qualified. Translation, I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And since then, we have been struggling to figure out how to incorporate artificial intelligence, AI, into our leadership coaching, into our curriculum, into my writing. So here's the deal. This entire publication in the lead, which you'll see the website of, is dedicated to AI. Is artificial intelligence going to put all of us who teach, coach, write, and think about leadership out of business because a computer is going to do it for us, my friend? The answer is no. And you should not really feel bad, Steve, that you know you don't know enough because none of us know enough about it yet. And as I've been really thinking about it, um, uh, you know, how do you really define AI uh, so that a child can understand it? And the best anomaly, you know, analogy I've come up with is it is like a child. Uh, just like we teach our children to really, you know, comprehend, to summarize. To create, we have taught a machine to do the same thing. Now, of course, the machine has a lot more capacity to learn because it works on what we call large language models and it has a lot of data to learn from. And that's why it is smart and smarter and smarter. But that's what it is. It's a machine and machines have been with humans since humans have been around. So another more complex, more smart machine. And that's how I've started to define AI. And um, uh, your question about will it disrupt our jobs and put yes. us all out of jobs? Uh, the answer I say is no. And the reason I say that is because, you know, yes, it can do text. Yes, it can do images. Yes, it can create music. It can do a lot of those things, but uh, it is not perfect, right? Uh, so, for example, if I ask AI, I go to ChatGPT and ask it to write my bio. Uh, it'll write my bio and uh, it'll be accurate most of the time, but then it'll also give me awards that it thinks I should have had because I'm you know, my peers have had those awards in the market, but that'll be a lie. And that's what we call hallucinations, right? So it's not perfect. Well, what do they call it again, Rushin? Hallucinations. What, Just well, like hallucinating. So I want, let me give you a concrete example. We have a team of great producers. If I said, you know what? We want to save a lot of money. We want to get rid of all of our producers. Uh, Mary's looking at me saying, saying, where's he going with this? No, I'm not making an announcement. I'm just asking a question. We get rid of our producers. And we say, 
we're going to do uh, chat. What? What's it called? GPT. Yes, I got it. I'm joking, Mary. Yeah. Chat GPT. <laughs> All right, chat GPT. We're going to have uh, Rushin Cancel on, and we're going to talk about AI. Give me the five questions I need to ask him about AI and leadership. I don't even need Mary Gamba. I can just look at the questions, do it myself. What do I have uh, wrong here? Yeah, see, it will give you the questions, right? But Mary is not just writing questions, I hope, for you, right? She's doing a lot more in the background, which is 95% no, of the work. Uh, yeah, I know, I know <laughs> you're joking. joking. You know? So that 95% <laughs> the machine has still not replaced. And there was actually a recent survey and someone asked Chat GPT what jobs it will replace. And uh, it came up with none. The answer was none, none? because none. Uh, which I don't agree with, again, because, you know, it's hallucinating. But the thing is, any job does not stop itself at write me the questions or write me the bow, no. right? right. So that's, I would say, comprehending and summarizing. It's not creating yet. And yes, it can create based on the data that's out there, but it still needs us to really, you know, make sense of it, make sure it is accurate, there is a lot of mischief going on, right? AI, just like a mischievous child, will create things that are not true. Uh, and uh, it will also create concerns around security and uh, impersonation, et cetera, et cetera. So it also needs to be managed that way. So in my view, it does disrupt a few jobs. So I'm not saying it will not disrupt anyone. It will, just like the car disrupted the horse. Uh, but it car. created new opportunities. But it created new opportunities, a lot of new opportunities. By the way, I need to make something clear. Just in case anyone thinks I was being serious, there is no computer, no chat, GBT, nothing that can place replace Mary Gamba. And especially because it's chat, GPT. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that the chat, GBT will not do is correct me right on camera in real time like Mary Gamba. I mean, how could a computer do that? It's impossible. I mean, yeah, Say it it's again, impossible. Say it again, what? GP as in Paul T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. I mean, we can impersonate Mary Gamba. Uh, but oh, I can it's hard. You, I no. am not impersonable. There is no hallucination that <laughs> can mimic me. Oh, no, I've seen you hallucinate a few times. Go ahead, Mary, pick it up. Yeah, I, I really have a question. And it's so speaking about it, this is something that I don't think AI can do. It's pivot, right? This isn't even in my list of questions, but it's something that just came to me. And it, I'm really curious about students and AI. Talk about integrity a little bit, right? I mean, I have two students in college, as does Steve. They need to write a 600 word essay on how to build a clock. I played around with the chat GPT mm -hmm. and I love it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. You could tell it to give me a great marriage proposal on a beach with a sunset. And it's the most yeah. beautiful, you know, how to eulogize a cat. And trust me, it's hysterical. But where does that level of you integrity that, come in? I'll leave that alone right now. Yeah. Go ahead. It's yeah. funny. Put it in there. But you could actually put in a computer science, you know, code, say, hey, give me a code for a red bouncing ball. It will literally spit back within seconds. The, the code, the computer code for a red bouncing ball. So how do we keep our students learning, not cheating, and keep keep it all on the up and Good up? Good one. Good yeah, one. Fair question. And uh, it goes back to uh, if a tool can do it easily for me, write a code, or solve a formula, why not let it do it? I mean, I all actually right, encourage my students to think beyond that, right? I encourage them to use ChatGPT, tell me how they're using it and then really get very familiar with it. And if they can really use it to enhance their capability. So you're actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're actually encouraging your students to use it because Absolutely. you know they're going to be using it anyway, right? Like, is yeah. that what you're doing? That's what I'm doing. You use it because you'll be using it anyway. 
And at the same time, it also goes back to what am I trying to teach you, right? If I'm still trying to teach you how to solve two plus two equals four, I'm not teaching you enough. I should really be teaching you how to be creative, how to be problem solving, how to be really bringing people together, building teams and really getting things done. And, and also, also understanding when the machine is hallucinating, right? So I would rather you get very used to it now and use it just like you started to use slide rules and calculators and, and then be a step ahead. And I think that's what we need to do. Roshan, stay, stay on Mary's point in, in this way. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic happens. We're mm -hmm. we're taping in the end of September 2023, be seeing later. So and it's at different stages at different times. So I don't know what post-pandemic means. That being said, AI does what in a crisis? AI does what in terms of pivoting, adapting, being agile, making critical decisions in real time? Or is that requiring us to be strategic leaders and thinkers? And there are no computers involved at that point. Please, Rushan. Uh, I think there is a role for AI there, right? Because you as a leader cannot make good decisions in the absence of good data. And if AI can help you get good data faster, it can help you make a better decision. But I fully agree that strategy is not the same as analytical skill set, right? Strategy is a lot more creativity, a lot more storytelling, a lot more visioning and and uh, data helps and ai in fact can help but now you know you still need that creative mind and that strategic thinker to really use that data to make the right decisions final question on my end ai can or cannot replace a terrific director named elvin badger can it can it replace our extraordinary director can it replace our director well, uh, depends on what the director does. I don't know Elvin's full, you know, job description, but I'm sure there are a few things it can do that Elvin does today, faster, cheaper, better. Oh, really? But that allows... and, and our cameraman, Scarlett, let me ask you. Yeah. yeah I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> because here's the thing. We can joke, but the reality is the more and more people read about AI, the more fear, the more anxiety, the more, hey, what does it mean about my job? If we're not going to deal honestly and candidly and openly about what we know and don't know about AI and embrace it because it ain't going away and figure out how to make it work for and with us, then the game over. And so Rushin, you've helped us do that. Yeah. It is in the lead. That is the publication. The graphic will go up. Rushin is the editor with our partners at Seton Hall University. I'm looking forward to being on campus in the spring, back for our master class at the Bucino Leadership Institute on Leadership. Hey, good stuff, Rushin. We'll see you soon, my friend. All right, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. But thanks, hey Mary, there is no, no one can replace, oh my God, I just realized I'm in trouble. AI could do this. All right, we'll be back <laughs> after that. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pragmatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, The Helix, Fedway Associates Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Thank you so much again for joining us today. And we are thrilled to have with us Satyan Raja, CEO and founder, Warrior Sage Trainings. Uh, Satyan, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me here, Mary and Steve. Looking forward to sharing with you today. 
Absolutely. And speaking of sharing, please tell us what is Warrior Sage Trainings? We'll talk about your books in a little bit, but just talk a little bit about the training and the coaching that you do. Our organization, we train CEOs and executive teams, C-suite teams, uh, to really cross the finish line, to be deeply aligned, going from chaos to coherence. And really, I create super teams in any type of organizations that are here to make big impact. We dial up the teams on the inside out so that the effects that they have in the world are very profound, impactful, but they're all done in a new paradigm without struggle, without strain, without overwhelm, coming from, let's say, another level of attunement from within. Yeah, no, and I have a question regarding that, though. When it comes to that attunement that you're talking about and the struggle coming from within, how did your training and your approach to training, how was it impacted by COVID? right? You couldn't have more chaos in those three years than that. Talk a little bit about how your training and your approach to that evolved. Well, you know, with the warrior philosophy, I come from a warrior sage lineage. That's my martial arts background. And in the warrior sage philosophy, there is no obstacle. Whatever comes our way is something to take advantage of. And so when we have that dialed in, that whatever challenge comes upon us, it's not something to crush us, slow us down. As Bruce Lee said, you must flow like water. When you hit a rock, don't stop, don't freeze, don't gasp, don't brace, embrace. And so that's what we train our leaders to do, to embrace whatever is in front of them. Now, most of the challenges we have are mental, psychological. When we shift those, when we make a, an attunement within, then what happens is what used to be a problem now is a huge opportunity. And that's what's been happening with the teams I've been leading, the organizations I've been leading and supporting over the last few years. Let, let me follow up on that. For those of us who have not been trained in the mixed martial arts uh, and do not Steve, have Steve, you're telling me you have not been trained in the mixed martial arts? <laughs> no, I enjoy, I enjoy watching UFC fights um, and I enjoy mixed martial arts, but you are not messing with the moneymaker here. <laughs> hey, Steve, one said, thing before you move on. I, I actually took many, many years of karate. That is probably something else that you did not know about me. So, yeah. Is there, well, is there actually another martial artist? So yes. <laughs> There's a whole thing they do. You got to take your shoes so, off. I mean, I in the, in the, the warrior arts, we're taught to have a strong spine and an open heart. So the warrior is a strong spine, that mm -hmm. uncollapsible spirit within us. And that's what we cultivate. So in our trainings, what we do is with CEOs and executives, we take them through duress training, helping them stay calm in the center of the storm. You can do mindfulness and all that, but that's pretty beginner stuff nowadays. What we need to do is really anchor people in their true self. When we're anchored in who we really are, then what happens is we're far more agile, we're far more resilient. But when we're identified with our ego, the roles we play, the faces we put on in the corporate or business world, and we're not coming from who we truly are, then it's easy to get knocked down and stay down. But mm -hmm. when we cultivate that strong warrior spine, that resiliency within, and we open our heart then we attune to our intuition because intuition, not only tactics, is what's really needed in the business world right now. We need to tap into the feminine wisdom, uh, which is inherent in all of us, which is that attunement to people, the human dynamics in the organization. I've discovered that's the most important thing in our families, most important thing in our organizations and government is the quality, the power, the beauty, the joy of the human dynamics inside. And if that's faltering, so yeah. is the color. Yeah, well, why is that feminine wisdom? Well, because the feminine has a lot to do with the embodiment and the flow of connection within us. And the masculine has a lot to do with attainment, realization, next goal, attainment, breakthrough, breaking through challenges. 
But that's fantastic in the business world, but it's become imbalanced to the place we're self-destroying ourselves. You know, I work with a lot of business leaders. On the outside, things are great, amazing success, billionaires. On the inside, there's all types of challenges. It has lots to do with relationship, with family dynamics, with their children. Because of the overexertion in one area of their life, it affects another area of their life. It's detrimental. So is it about balance? Is it about balance exactly. and wellness in the end? Balance, wellness, equilibrium, but also of spirit, which means tuning into our deeper purpose. In India, we call it our dharma. In the warrior traditions, we call it what's our purpose for living? When we discover and open to that and marry that with our business purpose, our success purpose, then we become a whole individual. We're not fragmented within ourselves. Yeah, but Satya, and I have a question about that. When it comes to this all sounds good and great. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer. Steve and I talk all the time about how I set my intentions every day before I start my day. But where does the bottom line come in, right? For these CEOs, for the presidents of organizations, where do they balance making sure that they are making all ends meet, right? You know, no money, no mission, while also staying in tune with the this culture that you're talking about. This Don't they sometimes is- conflict? This is what one second while you answer that. I now have to bring in for our organization together with Mary $3.6 million a year, or we're going to have a problem. Translation I appreciate everything you're saying. I know what that number is. I know I have to be the leader to get there. And if I don't, my board of trustees and everyone else connected with us, particularly those who get a paycheck every two weeks and pension payment and health insurance, that's real. It doesn't feel especially spiritual to me in all candor. I have to get it done. So please help me. Absolutely. Well, all the top leaders that I know who've been along the path and have you know attained levels of success, they recognize their internal state makes the huge difference on what's going outside. They already, already recognize that life is a mirror reality. If I'm frowning on the outside, if I'm frowning, the mirror is going to reflect a frown. If I'm smiling and positive and intentional mm-hmm. on the inside... The mirror reflects that the same. The frown doesn't turn into a smile when we look into a mirror. The smile reflects back a smile. In the same way, our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual alignment, when we have that dialed in, and that's a simple thing to do. It's not as onerous as we think. We already have that inner alignment. We just got to get back on board with it. We already have the navigation mastery within us. We've lost touch with that navigation. We're using some other GPS outside of ourselves. Hold on, time out. What how does that how does that help or how does that relate to me having to bring in 3.6 million dollars okay, a year a to keep we've our engine this, going? That's real. Done, absolutely. We've done this dozens of times in the company. What we do is we take a look at the company. We take a look at the individuals, the leaders, and we say, okay, what are the biggest challenges right now? Could be in the financial world. We look brass tacks, we start with the pain. We start where where is the biggest problems in the company? Then when we boil down to it, it has a lot to do with limiting beliefs, old impressions from the past of what can be attained, limitations in some team members. Some are really brilliant. They're like, we can yep. achieve it. Some go, we can't. And they're holding back. There's breaks on. So what we do is we go into the mind, we go into the subconscious of our leadership, and we transform it so that those obstacles that used to be ceilings are now gone. When you have a team that's coherent, when the obstacles are gone in their limiting mindsets, then what happens is the goals come to us. It's less strain and struggle, less push, less yang power and more yin power where the actual fulfillment comes our way. And the the paradox is 
You know, at first, it's hard to believe if you're coming from a traditional mindset business, which I have for decades, right? I come from a family lineage of business people. I had to break away from that paradigm of overburning out, overstressing. Yeah, we made lots of money, but the results were pretty poor on the inside. So now I've realized that when we have equilibrium in our lives and in our teams, what yeah. happens is they perform way better. They're healthier, they're happier, yeah. they're joyful, and they're way more loyal. And they go the extra mile, big time. And that's what crosses the finish line. Real quick, before I let you go, the, the name of the book, Accelerated Evolution, right? Exactly. There's Accelerated Evolution. And specifically for this circle as well, there's my Transcendent CEO. And you can find both of these on my website. Transcendent CEO and Transcendent Culture. These are for organizations, and that's for the individual. Good stuff. A lot to think about. And uh, we appreciate you joining us on Lessons in Leadership. Thanks so much. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. Have a wonderful day. Stay with us, Mary, and I have some final words right after this. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. Welcome back, Lessons in Leadership. We've got a few minutes left. Mary, I know on the back end we'll plug our sponsors. Hey, do our media partners real quick, because I don't want to come back to this discussion we just had with uh, Satyan. I would love to promote. Thank you for reminding us. CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, Meadowlands Chamber and Meadowlands Media, NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine. So thank you to all of our wonderful media partners. Hey, here's the deal. I am relatively open to new ideas, relatively open to different ways of thinking about things because that's we're lifelong learners, right, Mary? That is correct. However, I need to, for me, this is my weakness or my idiosyncrasy, I need to ground something that's being said in something that can it's tangible. And so I'm going to say that when I kept pressing about how much money we have to raise for our other company, Mm -hmm. or not-for-profit. It's funny, we call it not-for-profit and you got to bring in a ton of money, <laughs> right? It's entrepreneurial, but we're a not-for-profit and that's with our public television partners. And our public television partners, uh, I talked to Neil Shapiro and other leaders, Joe Lee over at NJPBS. We all have to bring in money. Sure. No money, Mary? No mission. That being said, stress is part of it. Counting and getting to the bottom line is part of it. Balancing the budget is part of it. It ain't fun. There's nothing ethereal about it. And yes, yeah, I worked out this morning. I tried to take care of myself, be healthy, but I'm going to say this. It's got to be grounded in something I can grab a hold of. I know you see it differently. I do. Yeah. It, in my opinion, anything in life, whether it's raising a family, whether it's business, whether it's saving money to buy a house, if you don't have the right mindset and perspective on any of those things, you can easily spiral and go out of control. So to use your reference of, yeah, we need to raise, you know, more than $3 million to be able to, you know, uh, have a team and pay bills and, and pay. Excuse me. And you do it with me shoulder to shoulder every day. We sure do. But it, if you and I went into it with an, a bad attitude or with a level of stress that was unhealthy, that it was just about that bottom line and not about how we get to that bottom line, Agreed. we wouldn't survive. And there's been many times, what did I say to you? It was like the last week of August and you and I had a heart to heart. I said, Steve, the next couple of months, we are going to be on a roller coaster. It is going to be intense. 
we have a huge volume of work, but I'm confident if we keep our attitude in, in the right positive mindset, we can do anything together. And I set that intention for the fall. And I don't know if, you know, when it comes to the end of the day, if that means as much to everyone, and that's okay if it doesn't, as long as you can stay balanced and level while you, we all have, we all have responsibilities, but you need to make sure that you stay grounded and intentional, as he said. So this way, at the end of the day, you could actually sleep better at night. Fair. Alvin, come on back in if you could. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do because you're the director. I'm asking. Please come back in, Alvin. Elvin, we've had this conversation dozens of times about being calm, and and I and I commend you all the time for how you're. No matter what goes on, you're very chill and even. But how much of that is spiritual, ethereal, and somewhat um, really deep for you? Versus, hey, let's just get this stuff done. Go ahead. Try to stay calm, not only because of my religion, but also because of my health. Nothing's worth upsetting myself to the fact that I feel sick over. It's just not worth it. So rather than scream, yell, and holler at anyone. Well, right, no, I didn't say scream. Where, where, how do you get to scream, yell, and uh, holler? I never well, said that. But Okay, how do you, then where, where's your stress go? My stress? I try to stay stress-free, Steve. Like I, I'm, I'm so Steve. I had a, I had an issue a couple months ago. I was working too much. I was, my health was really bad. So I had to take a step back and say, listen, nothing is worth my stress. So I try my best to keep my stress levels low. Because at the end of the day, you can only control certain things. You can't control everything. And when you know it's getting the stress levels getting too high, you call timeout. I take a step back. I do. What do you do, Mary? Yeah, I do the same thing at every single day. I say, is it real? Is it perceived? Is it is it something that I can do something about right now? If the stress that I'm feeling is something I can do something about, then I do whatever it is. If the stress I'm feeling, there's nothing I can do about it. I just accept it for what it is at face value and just put it away because if there's nothing you could do about it and then just try to remain positive and really prioritize what's important in life. Because a hundred years, you know, when we're a hundred years old and we're looking back, you know, on our lives, it's not going to be all those stressful things. We hope it's going to be the quality that we had with family, friends, colleagues, coworkers, and how we work together to, okay. you know. Okay. Let me, let me end on this. So we're <laughs> taping at the end of September. Yep. The Jets who stink right now, the Yankees are out of no it. No longer in baseball. It's over. To the Giants, and Saquon, um, please come back soon because we can't win without you. Um, but this can be dated. They're probably not going to win anytime soon. Uh, and the Mets, Scarland, your team's horrible. So I want to be clear. You're the manager, the coach of those teams. You know your teams aren't going to win. You just chill, right? Seriously? Their job's on the line. It's stressful. So I, I would honestly have to say, though, Steve, sometimes you got to look at upper management. Stop blaming the managers and blame the owners. What? Because if the owners don't care enough to change the team, then there's a problem. The Jets should have never brought Aaron Rodgers to New York. Okay. Oh, hold on. You're not opening up this pen. I know. We have 30 seconds and this box is being opened right now. They should have never brought Aaron Rodgers to New York. Never. Real quick before we end, why? From a leadership point, forget about football. Why was that a bad leadership decision? 
if you're trying to change your team in the organization, why would you bring in someone who's almost 40? His prime is over. To the Jets, I want to apologize on behalf of everyone in Lessons League. <laughs> That's a wrap. No, no, listen. Seconds, we're, com we're coming back to this. It's not about we will. the Jets. We'll, we will start our next show, so everyone has to tune baseball. in. It's about leadership, organization, and being stress-free, no matter even if the team's going to fire you because you never make the playoffs. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba, the Elvin Badger, and no AI. And chat GBXYZ is going to replace him. <laughs> See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Helix, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network.